0: Enter the crib. Your strike back sit rep starts in three, two, one. Wait, do we go on zero?
1: Welcome back, Meebers, for your episode seven sit rep. We are excited to have you guys. Warning, spoilers ahead. Now you know. As usual, we have our review, behind-the-scenes facts from showrunner Jack Lothian. And then we have two phenomenal interviews for you guys. We talked to producer Andy Morgan and yes, Nova and herself, Aelyn Sumerwata. She is such a badass. We're excited. Before we get started, we want to introduce you guys to the third Strike Back Crib admin, Kim. We are so excited that Kim is joining us today.
2: Kim, say hi. Hi everyone. Hi Kim. <laughs> hi. Y'all should know that Kim's been with us from the beginning but she does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and this is her first time here on the set rep. So we're so happy that she's she's joining us this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you guys uh, live tweet with the crib for the Pacific Coast viewing, that's Kim that you're live tweeting with. So Kim is going to join us later for the interview with Aylan. So when you hear that third voice, you know who you're listening to. It's not just you know some random person who got added to the phone call. <laughs> Before we get started on the review, we have to tell you guys, when Jack sent us the -the behind-the-scenes facts to share with you for this episode, the very first one he sent, I was like, we have to share this before anything else because this is the best behind-the-scenes fact ever because this is something that we three talked about early on when the show first started. We were like, why is it Strike Back Revolution? That's a stupid name. It never has a name in the U.S. In the U.K., it's called Silent War. This doesn't make sense. Jackson does this. A general series one. The show isn't called Strike Back Revolution. <laughs> We've checked with Cinemax, HBO, and Sky, and none of them have any idea why it's being called Strike Back Revolution. It's season six in North America and Silent War in the UK. That's amazing.
2: That is so messed up. Because <laughs> let's ta- this is how we found out about this bizarre no-name name. The day the show started... Kim got online and called yeah, it was me. <laughs> Strike Back Revolution. And I immediately <laughs> tweeted her like, what are you doing? It's just Strike Back. Strike Back 6, <laughs> Strike Back 7, no Strike Back Revolution, it's not called that. She's like, but I'm looking at my TV, uh, my television guide on her screen and it says Strike Back Revolution. I'm like, no, it's gotta be wrong. It's, And I looked at the guide on DirecTV and it just said Strike Back. Hours later. All of a sudden, DirecTV is calling it Strike Back Revolution. It's so weird. I checked it today. Still Strike Back Revolution. Dish TV calls it Strike Back Revolution. And Spectrum Time Warner calls it Strike Back Revolution. <laughs> yeah. so, and Craven HBO in Canada does, too. So Messed up.
1: Yes. I just wonder, how does something like that even happen? But I know because... We had emailed Jack to ask what the name was going to be, and he wrote back Silent War. And then when we saw Revolution, we were like, How can they change the name without telling the showrunner? <laughs> it's like the day <laughs> of
2: <laughs> surprise. So we've always hated that name, so we are never calling it that again. Yeah, exactly. We're just going back to Strike Back.
1: Yep, precisely. So we have more behind the scenes facts for you. We will share in our Jack's Facts segment, but we had to share that one right away because we just thought it was so great. So now, episode seven. Deb, what did you think of the episode?
2: I loved it. I thought it was a terrific episode seven. Episode sevens are always really important to set up what is usually the best episode of the season. The sort of the episode where everything starts to come in line and plots start to make sense and things start to go awry. And episode seven usually sets that up. And I thought this did a fantastic job of setting up what's usually the best episode. I mean. Episode six was played out like an episode, uh, uh, excuse me, an episode eight, which episode six was amazing. So I can't even imagine how amazing episode eight is going to be. And with the setup that we just got for it. Oh my God, Kelsey woman. It's going to be (laughs) amazing. Kelsey
1: woman. (laughs) It is going to be amazing.
2: I thought it was terrific. There was so much that happened and yet, you know, it wasn't like, it was just typical episode seven. It was like this quiet build. A lot of you know, there was intense action, but not a lot of huge like, whoa, you know. Oh, it was just it was good. It was good. What do yeah. you
1: think? Yeah. It felt solid. I guess I would say solid. It didn't feel crazy or or just after especially after episode six was so Yeah. I mean, so much emotion. So many amazing fights. We had such a hard time picking anything for our best up, but I mean, it was, but it was still a really good episode. Again, this season is just knocking it out of the park. I mean, a lot of Pavel and Katrina stuff that was great, but this episode for me was Cheddar's. This was this Verada shown in this episode. This is
2: where Cheddar's like, so far she's had some really good scenes, but they've all been short scenes. They've all been sort of, you can tell she's still trying to figure things out. Where does she fit in? You know, She's never really just said, I'm taking control. And in this episode, you really see her step up, make decisions on her own. I mean, obviously, completely confront Coltrane in what was, I think, the absolute most amazing scene of the entire show, where, I mean, she was just, oh, what an amazing scene. And yeah, so Cheddar's totally, I I can't wait to see what happens with her from now on, because she's totally, she's changed now she's like i'm i'm making decisions on my own i'm i am a fully functioning part of this team i'm not just the person hanging back and giving directions to the next shootout i'm i am 20. she made that decision even though she knew this was off book this was an illegal law and she still chose to completely embed herself in it which was amazing
1: Oh, yeah, she's all in. It was great. I mean, and we had some really interesting stuff. And Novin speaks Indonesian. Like, what? what? <coughs> how many more languages is she going to, like, Like, you know, I know she said early on, I guess in the, I think in the first episode, actually, live tweeting with Ayla, and She, I asked how many languages. She was like, well, like four that you know of and one that's a secret. And I guess that was the secret one. So, uh, So some great stuff with her. Of course, she feels so betrayed by Katrina. I mean, just all around, you know, really phenomenal.
2: Where they were in like the stalls or the barn? Oh, yeah, yeah, on either side the of the shootout. Wall, right? Oh my God, that was what an amazing scene that was. I just thought that was that was like spine tingling with them standing on those. Yeah,
1: I definitely have that written down as like a phenomenal moment. So you know, the two of them on on opposing sides, and Novin sneaking up on Katrina. You could tell Katrina's so torn. Mm-hmm. Um, her loyalty, you know, it's it's really rough. So. Let's go straight into it. Fight of the night. I'm going to say for me, Katrina and Pavel. When Katrina pulls the knife on Pavel and is like, Pavel would be helpless in this situation. And then he like fights back and shows her that he's like pretty much a badass. And Alec is phenomenal in that. And that like, that hand to hand was really cool to see. So that for me, because it was her pushing. And you know, of course, and then she says like she chose to stay. And they had this fight and. Yet somehow she like she's loyal to him still. So I thought that was my fight of the night. What about you?
2: See, and I'm wondering, did she choose to stay because she's loyal to him or did she choose to stay to figure out what's going on?
1: I think right now she's still loyal. That's my my like I think she's because she's Russian. She thinks he is, you know, I mean, he, I still don't know if he's officially sanctioned by the Russian government, but she thinks he is. Even though her heart is telling her no, her brain is telling her yes. <laughs> I don't
2: know. Her sense of duty.
1: Her sense of duty is telling her yes. Okay. Um what was your fight of the night, Deb?
2: You know, I wrote two down and one was was the Katrina and Pavel fight, mostly just because he subdued her so quickly and with such an obvious move. It's like, why doesn't everybody use that move? I ended up going with the Wyatt and Pavel fight because it was the longest fight. It was the most vicious fight. It was the most idiotic fight because there's no way Wyatt could have had that fight. And okay, you know, When it first started, I thought, okay. First of all, there's no way that somebody in his condition could have even gone on on any maneuver. But then, when they started, you know, when it started that he was looked pretty anemic and he was starting to lose control and he couldn't really keep functioning, I thought, okay, maybe they're actually going to play this out as how somebody really is after a wound like that. And then he goes (laughs) and has a big fight. (laughs) <laughs> which was that course, he got his ass wicked kicked, which he would I mean he would have been on the floor in seconds, but Paulwell keeps going after that wound, uh-huh, oh, it hurt, oh man, it hurt me, but where was the blood?
1: Come on, well, it's the blood? totally healed. What are you talking about?
2: yeah, <laughs> stuff
1: like that heals in like a in like a day that's I think that's that's what yeah. I hurt. I honestly love little not little but kind of small ish compared to Dan. Alec taken Wyatt down that fast. <laughs> that was
0: pretty
2: cool. See, I think they've done a really good job of concealing how strong and fit Pavel really is. Yeah. You know, they've what's really great is as you see this sort of commence and he gets a little more badass looking as it goes along, you know, like his hair's not all that sort of doofy looking hair and he's dressed more fit and you know he becomes more and more the trained killer soldier that he is
1: well and what people expect right because i think living in a navy town i mean in san diego we had seals that lived down the street and they did not look like wyatt they looked like pavel you know exactly (laughs) so you know okay all right emotional moment of the night
2: i'm going with coltrane and cheddars um that was a phenomenal scene absolutely phenomenal cheddars feeling very portrayed and really angry and yet you know stood her ground and let let coltrane know that this was her responsibility she wasn't just gonna sit there and be meek little cheddars which she's never been meek but she's always sort of questioned herself but so i thought cheddars was great but coltrane oh my god jamie bamber was amazing that controlled that that overwhelming sense of responsibility for what he just did and i'm guessing that this isn't the first time this has happened like oh my god how did i let this happen again and then there was that those couple seconds where she's confronting him and you can just see the rage building in him the you know this sort of like rage and also just gut-wrenching guilt and has he, he was like slowly approaching her and questioning what her plans were and what she was gonna do, I sat there thinking, is he gonna lose his shit and kill her?
1: Oh God, that never even occurred to me.
2: (laughs) Oh my God, the look on his face is like barely controlled rage at this situation, the whole situation. And, And we know he's had this, whatever this issue is in the past and that he has not been able to control this. And is this what's gonna send him over the edge? So when he sort of like took that breath and just controlled himself and brought it back to, okay, we're going to soldier here. We're going to be soldiers. Yeah, maybe this is off book, but I have to think of the team and I just need you to keep an eye on this guy while I go get the team. As if like, okay, we'll bring this to an end. I'm going to get the team. Just keep an eye on where he's going. Okay. Okay. And he leaves. Yeah. But there was that just a couple seconds there where I thought, I don't trust that he's not just going to completely lose it here. Yeah. And I just thought it was an amazing scene.
1: Yeah. He, oh, he j- Bamber's great.
2: Oh my God. It was good. And Cheddar terrific.
1: She is. And now, you know, funny because I have the same scene, but for the, for her, you know, he's phenomenal. I love him. But like, she came into this and he was like the one person that she actually immediately trusted and wanted to to listen to and respected. And to find out that he is now living the 20 lifestyle, going off books, going off, you know, that they have, you know, they've, they've been shuttered and he's still going and hadn't told anybody. She felt so betrayed. Uh, that to me... For thought, all of them. You know, yeah, was, was really devastating. And that was hard. I, my second was... My second place was with her as well. I when she's talking to Wyatt about her kill and mm-hmm. she says that she keeps seeing it in her head over and over again and again. For me, this episode was Verada. Yeah, she, I thought she was phenomenal.
2: Well, and that scene too from Dan's point of view, where yeah. he just sort of flippantly says, "Yeah, that's always the the tough one." The other
1: one that'll live with you, yeah.
2: And the look on her face was like, "Oh God, I have to do this again."
1: Yeah, or is that the only one that bothers you?
2: Yeah. And the look on his face was just like, oh, wow. Dan's what, definitely gone there. Yeah. That was a great scene, too. What
1: a good episode. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck moment. Cheddars. Again. At the end. Yeah. Who the fuck has Cheddars? I mean, it's got to be Pavel, right? But yeah. he puts his... Yeah. That's all we see is, like, she sees him and then, like, sees... I mean, she didn't see, she didn't see him. She sees the nuke. She's attacked.
2: After she made that decision, like, you know, she... Yeah, they go in full yeah. on. is like, okay, I'm fully in this. I'm fully going rogue. I'm going to go show up at this scene and try to take out the baddie. And then, oh my God, she gets taken. Yeah. And hello, she's our comms person. Oh, I know. but we never know. Jack, I swear.
1: What was your what the fuck? Was this the same thing?
2: I think it was that, although. As soon as she said, you know, if I get the shot, I'm going to take, I'll, I'll, I'll take it out. As soon as she said that, I'm like, oh, well, she's going to get grabbed. There's no way this is going to end good. So, I, you know, I saw that coming. But for me, it goes right back to the, there, you know, you've taken us rogue, you've gone rogue. That right back to that scene between the two of them when she realizes what's happened, and then when he says, we've been shuttered since Myanmar. Yes. I was like, oh. That
1: was my first what the fuck moment, but then Cheddar's upped it, but yeah.
2: I think that was, for me, it was, we've been shuttered since Myanmar. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Okay, all right. Questions going forward, where's Cheddar's? That's all I care about right now.
2: <laughs> where's Cheddar's? I also want to know who this Aldo dude is, that he he's um, the Colonel Aldo. Why? Who are these military people that are going to, Execute our twenty and why are we doing all this in a mall? Like, what? <laughs> what is this dude guy out of prison? And he goes to a mall. Is there some significance in that? Uh, like an or is it mall. just that there's so many dead malls around that it's an easy place? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Seemed like an odd sort of. Yes, it's it's closed down, it's abandoned, but to do this all right out in the middle there was kind of like, wouldn't you find some place secluded and yeah, not so that was open a weird one. Yeah. So, is there significance to why he's doing this in a mall? But yeah, it really was it was Cheddar's for me. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right, guys. Coming up: Andy Morgan, Alan Sumerwata.
0: Three, two, we got Overwatch. Jack's facts coming in.
1: All right, welcome back, members. It's time for your Jack's facts. Exclusive behind-the-scenes stuff from Jack Lothian. We love you, Jack. The director, Mark Everest, originally came to us as a second unit director. He shot the Wyatt Under the Bridge sequence in episode four. He did such a good job, we offered him an episode. Originally, he only flew out to Malaysia for a few weeks and ended up staying for months. I hope he got more luggage. The director of photography is Tim Palmer, who also shot episodes three and four, which are my favorite visually. They're absolutely
2: gorgeous. Way to go. Totally gorgeous. I think he, he's the second like second unit director to step up this season, right? Was Steve Steve Schill a second unit
1: too? I think, I want to say Steve Schill's was as well, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Way to to go, second unit guys. Okay. The original idea for Ep7 was to have an entire episode that would have focused entirely on Pavel and Katrina, like a Russian spinoff from Strike Back, without any of the main cast until right at the end. But after Wyatt got shot at the end of episode six, we really didn't want to miss out on seeing what happened next with the team. Tim Wyatt, <laughs> Wyatt <laughs> getting shot ruined the whole Bobble and Katrina episode I'm like Where both that god, would have Wyatt. been amazing
1: but oh my god if you had waited until the very end to show us that Wyatt was alive a little it would have been fans. kind of cool actually just no. to know
2: how stressed out you were <laughs>
1: oh my god so stressed out <laughs> All right. The Jewel Store Heist was loosely based on a secondhand story I'd heard about a special ops team of an unnamed country in the 1980s who lost their resources and were told to go rob a bank to fund the rest of the op. Wait, is the unnamed country, is it unnamed because you're not naming it, Jack? Or is it unnamed because the story, it was unnamed? I'm curious about that.
2: This sounds like so much like it had to be Americans that would do something oh, no. like that. Kim, Canadians would never do anything like that. (laughs) Totally
1: American. They'd be like, let's go find some maple syrup.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which would have gotten them more money than all those jewels. (laughs) Okay, the song that's playing in Madison's car at the end of episode six is the same song that's playing in the bar in episode seven. Yep, caught that. Which is meant to be a clue that something's not quite right. It's a song that I wrote a while back called There is a Silence, I being Jack. God, Jack, what can't you do? And this version was recorded at Beach House Studios in Nashville a few years ago. The vocals are by a singer called Jordan Caress, who fronts the excellent band Pony Chase. You can hear me playing piano and harmonica on the track as well. (laughs) Come on, Jack. On a side note, we met a taxi driver in Nashville who hated country music which must be like working as a lifeguard at the beach when you hate the water.
1: <laughs> I love you, Jack. But seriously, stop being so talented. I mean, don't stop yeah. being so talented because we like the, what you write, but, but seriously, you're making us feel bad.
2: All I can do is talk. I can't, I know I have all those talents <laughs> and half the time. I can't do that very well either. I love you, Jack.
1: Russia was filmed in Malaysia in some pretty hot temperatures and saw the actors having to don heavy coats and winter gear and do their best to look cold while sweating in tropical conditions. Ah, we still feel so bad for you guys. Not really. You look good doing it.
2: The Russian plan to use a terrorist to commit attacks that they could benefit from was first proposed to Omar Idrisi in episode 10 last season by the two Russians. It was a scene that got cut for time, but their hooking up with Idrisi was a test run for the Kingfisher project.
1: The vehicle explosion at the end is another classic from our special effects supervisor, Adam Haworth, who carries around an iPad with clips of the hundreds of different explosions he's done in his time. For a show that sometimes, sometimes, likes sometimes. to blow things up, Adam was a perfect fit, and his catchphrase, I could make it bigger if you wanted, that's what she said, went down very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. He, um, the, the, my catchphrase got added on to the end of his. Sorry, guys. Adam, Adam didn't actually say, I could make it bigger if you wanted. That's what she said. He just said, I could make it bigger if you wanted, which we love for Strike Back. All right, Deb, please read the last one so I can stop talking. <laughs>
2: think we need to record that again nope warren's reaction to the second explosion was scripted but i think there was a genuine element of surprise in there and how big the boom was <laughs> i have to agree <laughs> <laughs> it was totally that was the first thing i thought when that blew up was like oh he wasn't ready for that <laughs> amazing
1: all right guys and that's it for your jack's facts andy morgan coming
2: up next and then Aylin on me back to the crib all right welcome back mevers we are so excited to have producer andy morgan with us today as our first guest andy actually produced block four which is episodes seven and eight which is in the history of strike back a pretty major block so being the producer of that has got to be pretty exciting and andy actually has a pretty interesting background in that I believe this is your first time producing, correct Andy?
0: Correct, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: first so to get big. that media of a block, first time out of the gate, it's gotta be pretty exciting. But Meebers, welcome Andy Morgan.
0: Hi, hi everyone, very glad to be here.
2: We're so excited to have you. So, like I just said, this is your first time producing and you actually had a very successful career as a location manager before deciding to make the switch into producing, right?
0: Uh, that's that's right. Yeah, I, I well, I was a location manager for about fifteen years. Done shows such as Happy Valley and Peaky Blinders. Um, great shows. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very, very proud to be involved in in shows such as that. But I just over the years I've thought, you know what? I, I want more creative input. I want more responsibility and I, I, I wanna move up and producing was what I had my sights on. So I started speaking to exec producers who I'd worked with along the way, and said, look, hi, remember me? How can you help? And, and people were great, you know? And it just sort of coincided with a time, certainly in the UK, where it's so busy now and people are crying out for producers and new producers. So people were very receptive and, you know, a combination of look, right time, right place. And, you know, I, my experience, the people that I met were, were willing to give me opportunities. And so I, I kind of had a training, producer training placement on a Netflix show called Safe with a company called Red here in the UK who make Happy Valley and things like that, uh, who, were, who were wonderful to me. And then I, was out on my own, you know, out in the big wide world trying to get a, a job, and I met Left Bank and had a chat with Sharon, the exec, and then a chat with Richard, uh, another exec on the show, and met Nuala as well. And then uh, a week later, I got a call. Do you want to do a block? I was like, oh, Wow, my God, really? know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'd met a lot of people, talked about a lot of shows, um, but nothing on the scale of Strike Back. So to be offered that as a first gig, you know, it, it could have been something small. It could have been a, you know, a kid's show or something, or you know, a half hour thing or, or whatever, not, you know, and that would have absolutely been fine, but no, you go into Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two two episodes of one of the biggest shows around, so uh, yeah, it was an absolute joy to to be asked, and
2: uh, yeah. Well, not even two, just two episodes, but two of the most important episodes of the entire season. I mean, seven and eight are always. Yeah. What we're all waiting for, even more than the (laughs) finale, it's like, what's going to happen in seven and eight?
0: We were very lucky. There was a a lot. There was a lot riding towards seven and eight, uh, and we were very lucky with the scripts that Jack produced for us. Yeah
2: well they're great episodes and we're airing this after episode seven so mm-hmm. you can't go into a- episode eight but tell yeah. us
0: okay I Tell it. us what, uh,
2: what a typical day as a producer is like because i think fans just see all these names scrolling by on the screen and they you know like here's the seven executive producers and here's the producers and directors and you know they're familiar with with maybe what Jack does as the showrunner writer, and what's you know what a director does, and obviously what the actors do, but most fans don't have any clue what all these other six hundred people scrolling by on the screen do. So tell us what what is it that a block producer actually does?
0: Okay, um, so the the setup on 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 Strike Back is, is 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 very interesting. As you just said, you've got the execs. Because we were in Malaysia, we you know we had an exec uh, who was pretty permanently out there with us, and that was that was sort of vital again because of the scale of the show. There were the three producers: Nuala Lawrence and myself. Um, Nuala was doing three blocks, Lawrence one block, and I was a block block four. Um, and you've got you've got a block that's shooting, you've got a block that's prepping, and you've got a block that's about to start prepping. You know, pre uh, prep. So you've got a lot going on, and each block has its own director uh, de- uh, you know and uh, heads of department so it's it's working with your team to get your block off the ground and up and running you know liaising with uh, each department about your episodes but also you've, you've got to bear in mind that there are other blocks going on yeah. <laughs> uh, that that was that's tricky you know getting mm-hmm. getting everyone's time and um getting everyone on the right page uh, and thinking you know uh, about the right things you've got the location team who are who are who are so stretched you know they're they're still shooting in penang they've got to come down to johor to start working with us uh, on block four having potential meetings about block five at the same time everyone is very busy so it's about kind of coordinating everyone that you need to 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 start thinking about about the block is upcoming Myself and my director, Mark, uh, Mark Everest, Mark Everest was doing some second unit on earlier blocks, Mm -hmm. given the opportunity to direct block four, which I was over the moon about, he was such a great guy. So Mark and myself were in Johor, much earlier than everyone else, and we just set off, started looking for locations ourselves, because as I said, the location team were, were very stretched. and. Given my background, I just said, look, give us a car and we'll go out and we'll look for things ourselves." You know, you've got to hit the ground running. Time is so short. And, you know, and Jack, is very, very busy writing the scripts. So we've got a sort of, there was sort of a situation where we'd, we'd go out and find something really cool and suggest it to Jack. What about this? You know, and he, and he just got great, great. Give me more. You know, any ideas you've got, things you can, things you can show me, then I can write around them, you know. So there were quite there's quite a few locations in f 7 that myself and Mark found and then sort of said to the location team, right, just get permission for this, you know, because this is absolutely great. And uh, Jack, fortunately, Jack was really keen on, on on that as well. And 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 Johor was so uh, rich in terms of, of of what it offered us. Uh, but like you know, the American Bar, at the start of Seven, that, that's in downtown Johor. But we, you know, we, we've we've we found this bar where we we're just like this. You could be in Texas, you know. This is absolutely amazing. It took very little for the art department to make that look truly American, you know. The phone box. Oh yes. The, you know the phone box. You know with the cityscape behind. Uh-huh.
2: It. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mark and I found that, and we would it took a photo, and it, that's our favorite location from from the uh, the episode.
2: That's funny because I actually made a note of that watching it. Thinking, did they have to actually build a fake phone box, or did oh, they actually find a payphone somewhere?
0: Found that next to the train track, and we just fell in love with it. And um, we gave the idea to Jack, and he absolutely ran with it as well. He loved it. And then uh, that was actually day one of the shoot, and we had two opportunities with that train because that's a live railway line. Mm-hmm. We knew oh. we had like a train at you know ten o'clock, and a train at twelve o'clock, and that's oh. it you know, yeah, it's funny so we rehearsed the, the camera movement and everything and uh, you know we had someone up the line going train and it was perfect timing from from uh, Alec Newman Newman uh, sorry <laughs> was Pavel.
2: Pavel Pavel was <laughs> or whoever he is
0: exactly exactly uh, so perfect absolutely perfect timing as well so that was an amazing scene the jewelry store Great, we found that, I mean, that was an empty store that we dressed, but we we wanted it to feel like it was an upmarket place. Um, and then the mall, yeah, the mall. The mall which was actually like a 10 minute walk from our hotel. So we, awesome. <laughs> the hotel where most people were staying, uh, that mall was a 10 minute walk. So we could walk there in the morning and walk home, which was a pleasant thing to do. Yeah, that was great. Um, what else? Oh, Russia, Saratov. Yeah, we found that. We went, well, how do we... So we got America and we got Russia.
1: Yeah.
0: All in downtown Jehovah. <laughs> um, yeah, finding Russia was, was a quite a big tick, you know. And we, we feel it really worked. Oh, we, yeah. We, we, we dressed it with snow, which the local crew found just bizarre.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> They've
0: never, never seen snow.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: I've never seen it. I mean, and I mean, but even to us, you know, we're in sweltering heat and we're putting fake snow down. This just is <laughs> such a strange thing. And it was so hot, you know, it was so hot. Even at night, when we 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 shot a lot of that, obviously at night. Uh, but it's still hot. And we had to in the building. We had to create some cold rooms for the artists, you know, because they were wearing big coats and they did not need big coats because it was. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you, I mean, as a first time producer, I just, I keep like in my head, I'm like, strike back. I mean, did you, having been a location manager and seeing, you know, this happen behind the scenes for so long, did you, you went and you were like, oh, I got this. I know exactly what to expect. Or were you like, oh my God, this is so much work that I,
0: <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. No, no. I didn't take it lightly. I mean, you yes, I've been on shows of a, of a certain scale, Peaky Blinders being one. So, you know, something like that. That's a big show, but you're right. I was only in the capacity of, as location manager. So, yes, it, it was daunting, very daunting, going, especially also traveling halfway around the world to do it as well. You know, if, if it had been somewhere in Manchester, which is where I live, you know, that would have been a lot, a lot less. So being away from home, yeah, it was daunting, but but thankfully the whole team who were already out there cast and crew were so welcoming and so encouraging and, um, you know, were, were really wanted me to do well. Everyone out there wants wants the best for the show. Um, and I got lots of help from people, you know, um, Nula and Lawrence uh, and Jack, uh, you know, and, and very helpful. And everyone understood the position I was in, you know, as a first time producer. So it, it was great, you know. I, I couldn't have wished for a better, first-time experience, you know, and I learned a hell of a lot from from doing it.
2: Well, it's really, it's so cool to hear that, you know, everybody sort of backed you up and has, was helpful and positive and outgoing, because that's definitely the way we've been treated as well, and um, you really can tell that Strike Back does become a family. And yeah. even though we have this sort of ancillary relationship with everyone, everyone's been exactly the same way with us and it's it's truly just been a fantastic experience but i interjected and kelsey has a question
0: <laughs> no, right. no i was just i was just gonna say i mean you know listening to the, the other podcast, everyone has mentioned the same thing i know they have because of you know uh, you know he was talking to shatcott and um you know all those guys it, and because of the nature of what you're doing where you're doing it you can't help but bond and as i a, as a, said you know the communication that we all sort of still have to some degree is, is is great.
1: So I was wondering, you know, with everybody helping you, what you took from Strike Back, I and mean, what were your biggest sort of lessons as a producer that you will take into your your next producing job?
0: That's a good question. The best advice is um, is communication, really. Communication is absolutely key, you know, both up, up the line and down the line, you know. As long as everyone knows what we're doing, what you know, what, what well at least what we're meant to be doing, going <laughs> to be doing it, how I'm going to be doing it, you know, uh, that that's key really, um, and it's, anything's possible, uh, anything is absolutely possible uh, as long as it's as long as it's you know you've got the time to plan it, and discuss it, and um, make sure everyone's safe when you're doing it. That's 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 why Stride is so full of these amazing scenes because because of the planning that goes into it. You know, i've heard the other other, you know, other people talk about that sort of thing you know you can't rush you can't rush a show like strike back you know there's there's lots of parameters that you know we'd, we'd all want more time for things everyone thinks very carefully about it uh, and no one would go into anything without it being properly discussed and and um and and planned thoroughly uh, and safely so Communication is key amongst all departments, uh, and as soon as, as soon as, any time that, that that there is a, a you know a, a weak link in there, that's when the problems start to start to happen. So, you know, to have like regular regular meetings with the with the departments between the HODs and and their kind of number twos, make sure everyone's on the same page. That that's really the best advice. I mean, you know, that I, I was given, but also that I kind of actioned and would would take on move, moving on to another project. You know,
2: was lucky enough to find an article online about the training program that you went through, which was fascinating, by the way. And in that uh, little article, you talked about having three areas of concentration that you really wanted to learn about um, mm-hmm. before you went into really actively being a producer and one of those was script development i found what you talked about in that article really fascinating and i'm wondering how confident you feel in that now and what you learned while working on strike back in terms of making that area of your producing better
0: sure okay so so thinking back to the article you're, you're talking about so when i was speaking to execs about wanting to produce yes i identified my weaknesses I suppose, or, or not my greatest strengths, to put it a better way, um, would have been working with scripts. Into and by that I mean in terms of story and character, because as a location manager, you know, I would break down scripts uh, uh, in terms of you know location and logistics, and they become this sort of technical document. I meant instantly focusing on that, whereas as a, as a producer, you've, you know, you've got to sort of take that on board, but you would have the location managers help you with that, you know producer you're thinking more about character and story and and tone and everything. The second was working with, um, artists, uh, because again, as a location manager, I don't really care. (laughs) 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 were. I just cared where they would be, you know, where they would, um, you know, and find great locations for them. And then the third was post-production, which has absolutely been my favorite, um, Aspect of of the show, you know. Um, so going back to your question, it's, it's helped enormously, and especially uh, working with someone as uh, such a great writer as Jack, uh, who was very generous in his in his in his help when it came to the scripts. I mean, all 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 the producers were encouraged to give script notes um, for for all the scripts, and so seeing everyone's contribution to that, you know, help shape the scripts. That was very um, uh, useful. I have to say, Lawrence Lawrence Cochran, the Block Two producer, uh, he and I became good friends, and he was very helpful to me. And it, and and my, my knowledge and skills towards scripts really developed, uh, you know, quite rapidly on on Strike Back. Um And I'll be eternally grateful for that. And you know, moving forwards to onto other projects, um, I feel a lot more confident now. Uh, as a result of 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 the process, the the, the only way to learn is is, is is sort of by doing it. You know you can go on all the courses that you want. And I have done, you know, I've sent myself to the National Film School and went on script editing courses, and that's all very well and good. But when you're actually faced with a script that you are going to be making in a few weeks' time, uh, and that actors are going to be saying these words, you know, you need to make sure that that is that is right, and it and it's and it's all very much an organic process, and it changes on the day. The artists always have you know great contributions to make, uh, some not so great, uh, <laughs> and you know we've got you've got fantastic um, script supervisor on on Stryback, Tessa, who is just so invaluable with her knowledge of the show. Uh, and then of course, Jack would always be on hand as well. You know, just give, give me a call. If there's a question, give me a call. And, uh, he was, he was always on hand to, to help out. And then of course it also changes in the, in the edit as well. You know, for various reasons, a scene needs to be changed or the, the, the structure of, you know, um, Uh, an act might need to be changed. Or you cut a scene and then, but that means you have to add a line of dialogue in the previous scene to make up for that. Or, you know, uh, and again, that's that's an ongoing process. It's organic and and it starts to shape the show in slightly different ways, or certainly the episode in different ways, but obviously all for the better. So that's what I mean, going into the uh, editing process. It was just fascinating how much a script can actually be changed after it's been shot while still keeping the integrity what we did shoot, we're um, just crafting it in such a way that it becomes even better. Um, was brilliant.
2: And how much control as the producer do you have in the post-production? So if you get to ADR, you get to editing, and they want to do something that you really think isn't, no, I don't think that serves the scene very well. How much control do you have over that versus the editor?
0: I mean it's it's a very much a collaborative process, but certainly on strike back, you know, obviously Jack has a lot of say, what will end up on the on the screen. But you know, myself, Mark, my director, um, we had two wonderful editors, um, Crispin Green and Mike Phillips, you know, very much collaborative. And then you've got the you've got the exec viewings, of course, you've got HBO viewings, uh, you know, you get notes from them. So there's a lot going into it, um, and I, I'm just a producer of my uh, experience, just playing a sort of small part in it, to be perfectly honest, but very glad to be there. I'm very glad to offer opinions. When I when I watch the episodes, there are, there are certain things there that I know are my, definitely my contributions and the things that I fought for in the edit. You know, like, we've got to keep that, um... But there are other things that I'm 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 not overly happy about. But you know, you, you choose your battles, and and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. That's all part of the fun, part of the process.
1: So I'm curious when you're you know, when you talk about post production and shaping the script, can you give us an estimate of how how many hours of film you have to go through? Or the editors have to go through to put together a what's what like a fifty-minute episode.
0: <laughs> the. Hmm. That's a hard one to a lot. <laughs> a lot. The first cut. I mean the, the day that we start shooting is the day that it starts being edited. So we're we're out in Malaysia, Mike for Ep7, Crispin for Ep eight. So they are back in London and they are getting the rushes sent overnight and they start, you know, putting it together. And then we would get a first cut through. And the first cut is usually, you know, way over. Way over in in, in length. And but everyone knows that. That's 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 part part of the course. Uh, and what we were aiming for, we were aiming for between we were aiming for about forty-five minutes. Yeah. But we had a sort of two minute win, so like between forty-four thirty and forty six thirty. So it's like we need to try to get it through, you know, to that. But with episode eight, there was just so much good stuff in there. We were we were really struggling to get it down. I think we were we couldn't we just couldn't get it below like forty nine minutes or something like that. Um, We're
2: okay with that,
0: (laughs) of course. But it's just we have you know we have there's no negotiation. It has to come down. And so at that stage, you know, just shaving a bit here and shaving a bit there—that's just seconds. Mm -hmm. So you have to think of drastic ideas. You have to come up with big ideas and you know we you've got to start killing babies which is an awful phrase (laughs) that's that's honestly how it feels we've got to start killing babies here so that's what you start doing but eventually as i said before you know with with the, the collaboration of everyone once you you put these ideas out there people go okay yeah i've not thought of that but i see what you're getting at and i see how that could work and maybe if we just tweak a line previous scene then that makes this in this big change that we're going to make work but by a big change what we've done is we've we've suddenly lost a minute which is just enormous amount of screen. yeah
1: yeah that's a lot in strike back especially for an episode eight which this episode eight coming up there's a lot that happens
0: yeah, yeah it's a great yeah, episode absolutely full to the brim you know we've got the big 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 shootouts the big fight sequences the bowling alley, let's not say more than that. (laughs) And the bowling alley is just absolutely, I think it's, I think it's like, should be like strike back legend in terms of that fight. It is just incredible. I mean, you know, the amount of times I've seen that fight, but every single time I'm just like banging the table, like going, go on, go on. (laughs)
2: Um, Oh, Mevers, you're going to love it.
0: So exciting. I mean, I'm purposely not saying who's in it, but uh, it's, it's so great. And um, everything about them all, the mall, because the, I mean, lit, the literal scale of the mall, you know, and to to navigate through this location, you know, story-wise, um, took a long time. It and it and it kind of, you know, you didn't want to cheat the audience into seeing this incredible structure, this massive cathedral-like structure. You know, we want to see it. We want to see all elements of it. We want to see what's in there, which I think you do, and then. The big, the big big kind of stunt at the end. Yeah, <laughs> feels weird. I'm not allowed to talk about it. Uh,
1: well, that one, Paul Shapcott did tease a little bit. Well, yeah. So. Yeah. So we know it's Noven and it's like a big. Yeah, it's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, that was that was when we when we had the idea for that. I mean, Jack Jack started talking about the Atomic Blonde.
1: Uh yeah, yeah.
0: And so when you watch that, and think. Mm, wow. Okay, could we do something like that in here? And uh, yeah, as Shapcott described, that took a it took a lot of thinking about. Uh, as he hinted, well, he said, he said we lost the location at one point, and then we're we'll back. And so, but to get that right, and you know, Alan, Alan of course wanted wanted it to look right as well. She really, really put a lot of work into you know making sure that her her elements looked looked right, and she wanted it to go well. So that's that took took time. And um so yeah, so episode eight was was, was absolutely packed full. Because as you know, you know, we, we play around with time a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, with Coltrane. You, that's mm-hmm. uh, oh, what's happening here? Which we Mark and I totally embraced when Jack started telling us about that. Absolutely. It's a bit unusual for that as format wise for a strike back episode, but we absolutely ran with it. And I think the payoff when you see the end of episode eight is absolutely worth it because it's such a jaw-dropping moment <laughs> Yes, and something that we really really worked on you know that was, that was that was really really uh important to to everyone that we got that right the, the moment at the, the end of mm-hmm. ep- end of episode eight and yeah. we think we have
2: oh it was it's fabulous absolutely it's fabulous <laughs> yeah and Truly. you know as fans, we can't stress the importance of episodes eight, the eights, enough because they really are just have always been the meatiest and the best episodes of the season. And this episode eight absolutely lives up to all of our expectations. It's a fabulous block and a fabulous episode.
0: That's really great to hear. That's really great to hear. I'm glad, I'm glad that you like it. I hope everyone else does as well.
1: Oh, they will. Everybody's lo- this season has blown everyone away. I think, you know, last season, and everybody has been very open about They were sort of finding themselves, you know, and and it was good. But it wasn't this season. This season is like 100% stellar, amazing. It's been incredible.
0: Yeah, I think everyone felt that the ante had really been upped uh, in everything that we were doing. You know, as I said, you know, the fight sequences are just you know sort of feel like another level and especially like the kind of guest villains that have come in to have these you know these fights with the stunts that have been throughout some of the explosions i mean the explosion at the end of ep 7 you know that like, so, so we have the prison van crash
2: yeah wow uh,
0: that all that sequence is wonderful and then after you know with the komodos and we're firing the, the, the komodos firing and, and then um warren drives towards them and and jumps out yeah. That's this is
2: so great
0: possibly one of the biggest explosions that strideback has seen um although i think block five may have had a bigger one um <laughs> just hinting at something there uh <laughs> that explosion was absolutely incredible um on the day you know Adam, the, um, SFX team Adam and his team put a lot of work into that. So. Adam,
2: I can make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. That's what Jack's, Jack
1: said. His catchphrase is I can make it bigger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was so hot. It was so hot. And you know, I was very, I was very worried about how close Warren was to that. Yeah. Explosion.
2: <laughs> well, you can tell his reaction is genuine. When that second explosion yeah, happened. Really, like, what?
0: <laughs> I mean, it, there's, there's a, there's a, there's part of me that looks at his face. and thinking, is that is, is he acting there, or is? He? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that definitely looked a little genuine. We wanted to ask you. I mean, as a producer, you're kind of you've got your fingers in all the pies. You know everybody what's going on. Can you uh, just tell us some some fun stories about working? What are your What are your favorite sort of stories that you can tell us about working in Strike Back?
0: Um, what are my favorite stories? Um, well. <laughs> It, it is, as I, as everyone has said, it, you do feel like you are in such a great team there and part of a part of a, a family. And every day is a big day. It really is a big day. And so when you turn up to for you know the the, the the day of the explosion, there's there's sort of this excitement you know in the air because. You're aware of all the conversations that have gone on and all the meetings that have happened, uh, you know, and the drawings that you've seen, the photos that you've seen and the plans that you've seen. And then for for you to be there on the day, you know, oh, my God, this is actually going to happen today. We're going to do it today. We're going to blow that thing up, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, uh, you know, blow that thing up, shoot that thing, kill that person, whatever, uh, jump off that thing. It's just it brings a smile to to your face, it really does, and and that's that's what's great about what we all do, about you know making TV dramas and films and what have you. But um, and I do, I definitely think there's something particular about Strikeback. It's unlike any other show, uh, as has been echoed by everyone spoken on on this. That um, there's just an enormous sense of fun about it, and and but but that you know everyone takes their job very very seriously because they want it to go so well and, and look so fantastic um but when you pull it off and you get back in the bus and you're driving back to the hotel like i can't believe what we've done today just genuinely can't believe how, you know and we're, we're going to do it again tomorrow but in a location <laughs> and blow something else up it's great
2: yeah it's definitely a show where you you know just watching it that everybody loves what they're doing and that the fun is coming out of that hard work that is so evident on the screen yeah rest assured that fans appreciate every precious minute of this show and can in can see what goes into it and every, you know
0: it's 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 across the board you know cast and crew i mean the the cast as i said you know i I've, I've not really worked with actors before you know in the same uh, capacity but those guys, you know, Alin, Dan, and Warren, and then of course Jamie and Yasmin and, and, and V, they're just so dedicated to it. Um, it's 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 wonderful to to see their dedication um, and the hard work that they put in. You know, uh, it's like they are soldiers. It's, so that was that was really um, inspiring to to see them. And they, and they were great. Again, they were really great. With me as well, you know, um, in terms of talking about, you know, their character and, and, and any issues that they had about certain scenes or whatever and we you know we talked them through. So they were they were they were wonderful to work with, yeah. About Alec and Yasmin, the Russian crib scene. So they 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 were I mean their Russian is brilliant. Alec and Yas's is Russian is yeah. so yeah. but in seven they've got the scene where they go into the crib and then they have an enormous russian dialogue scene and then a a fight you know Mm -hmm. and that's that's very very labor intensive you know to 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 do that whilst speaking authentic russian as well and and we were all very concerned about it in particular them too you know because their dedication to it we flew a russian dialect coach out to malaysia who they've been working with over skype um guy called fabian and he came over to um to Malaysia and was working with the guys you know and it looked really really nice guy um but that's that scene was scheduled down the, in the very last week of the shoot so that they had the time so they they would learn it with him and then they would they would have it and they could practice and practice and then maybe we'd bring him back out for the day of the shoot but again you know this is four weeks away
1: yeah
0: and then day day one of the shoot there was a a Production issue, which meant we had to pull that day forward from the very end of the shoot to the start day two. Oh my God. Uh, so, I had to. So, separately, I, I took Alec aside and Alec and Yasmin aside. I said, um, Look, I need to ask you something, and you can absolutely say no to this. But we've tried every solution possible, we've thought of every solution possible. The best thing to do is shoot this tomorrow. What do you think? And they both went, let's go for it. And it was it was just fantastic. And I was just like, oh God, thank God, thank God. <laughs> because we literally had nowhere else to go. We were like, what else on earth are we gonna do here? And they were like, yeah, let's go for it. What? But thankfully, because we also had Fabian, because he was still there. They were like, well, he's here. He's right next to the camera. Let's do it, you know? Uh, so yeah, it was it was great. It was great, but that was you know a big ask of them. Please please shoot this enormous dialogue scene in Russian.
2: Yeah. And have a,
1: and have a fight. And
2: too. that was
1: my fight of the night for the for the episode. I love that
2: fight. Right. Oh good. So we're at the point in the interview where we're going <clears> to <throat> where we're asking the same question that we've asked everyone, um, the Philip Winchester question, um, okay. because it is such a marathon and because you do go through so much together. What are your highs for your season and what are your lows for your season?
0: Mm, well, if I can give two highs. If that's Please all right. do. <laughs> Well, so the, the 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 first high is just sort sort of you know what a repeat of what I've said. It ju- is just the joy of being on that show, and, and in terms of the camaraderie that's there amongst cast and crew. I mean, and, you know, I say crew, and I mean it's enormous crew. It's just phenomenal. You know, you know, day day one of the shoot, I'm f- we're filming Pavel on the phone, and there's 200 people there. This is enormous. This is enormous, uh, you know. And you've got the, you know, the second unit as well. And because bec- again, going back to what we we're saying before about the in- the enormity of episode eight, you know, second unit had had a lot of stuff to shoot. You know, normally a second unit would, you know, they kind of pick up after the main unit, so they'll go and get an establishing shot, they'll go and get a drive-by shot, or they'll, you know, get a close-up of someone writing a text or something like that. Second unit will work in just as hard as main unit. You know, with uh, Fraser. And mcdonald who directed second unit that they, they were that their own little team as well you know just running alongside us and so and then the the downtime because we're out in such an amazing part of the world you know the the, the weekends that we would spend together it was just absolutely phenomenal so that's that was a real real high but then personally for me this whole experience as a, as a first-time producer getting onto this great job seeing it through and then Following it through in, into post-production, and I think the, the whole the, seeing the whole thing through was just just an, an enormous uh, high for me, and uh, so as, a, as a first-time gig, very very proud to have been part of uh, a season of Strike Back and uh, really really can't wait to to watch it go out when it does. So that so that will be a real high to see to see my name on um, on Stride back Low, I know exactly what the low is. <laughs> so. Uh, so that's an episode eight detail. Okay. So the, the big jump in episode eight, so all the work that gone into that, you know, they're the, the coming up with the idea, coming up with how we could actually do it, losing the location, getting the locations, flying the guys in from Australia, having to work out a different way of doing it, you know, all the practice and everything for this big showstopper of a, of a jump. And on the day we filmed it, I was ill.
1: Oh no. <laughs>
0: no! Yeah, I woke up like in the early hours of the morning, I was just sweating and oh. I was just throwing up and everything because the, the previous few days we've been filming the underground car park it was it was a really dirty, filthy place, and I know again this has been touched on on previous podcasts. You know, we film it; Strybак films in some pretty grim places mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> because they always look great on screen. But this car park, oh, it was oh, it was awful. I hated it, and uh, I, I genuinely think I picked up a little bug or something in there. And the day of the big jump, oh, I just couldn't leave the hotel room. I just oh. couldn't leave the hotel. Oh, I was so gutted. I was so gutted, I missed it. So the first time I saw it was like that night, you know, someone sent me a, a, I mean, loads of the crew were doing their own little iPhone videos of it. Yeah. And I got sent like about 10 different angles of it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Look at that.
0: And I, you know, and I couldn't be there for for Jade, you know, the the amazing stunt person who who um, uh, on Shapcott's team, and of course Alan. So yeah, that was a big, big low for me.
2: Say that I feel so bad for you. Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> how because we only know about when the actors get sick. Like you know, seems like Winchester had a cold half the time he was filming his episodes, and then they all got sick and in yeah. Shadow Warfare season and still had to keep filming. I can't even imagine that, but ah. Oh.
0: Well, it's funny, you know, we all, you sort of run on on adrenaline, everyone does, and, and and everyone sort of gets gets ill. You finish a shoot, and this has happened all my career, you finish a shoot, the day after, you get sick. There's mm. just, that's that's what happens, because you just run on adrenaline and, and, you, and you fight the bad things off. But that was, there was no fighting this off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: this was this was you are not leaving this yeah. anywhere near that that um, that that shopping mall thanks and tune in next week for another need to know session at the crib follow us on twitter at strikeback crib
2: out <laughs>